Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The fans need cooling off. Hello and welcome to episode 34. Yes, if you're marking your scorecards now, that's episode 34 of The Real Football Cast. I'm your host, Dan Tracy, and in the next 60 minutes, we'll be dissecting all the hot topics in football. As per usual, we'll be discussing what's been going on in the Premier League over the past few days, in addition to that, there are also some off-pitch activities that really have caught our eye in the last week and they'll be getting our attention in the next hour. It's time for another afternoon recording. It seems to be the norm now and Carl is making that first team spot his own. It's basically, it's his. So let's hope he has another top performance up his sleeve this afternoon. Carl, how have things been with you, my friend? Yeah, really good, Dan, and just glad you've put no pressure on there, mate. You know, I've, I've, thanks for that. Well, thankfully, there's someone to lighten the load because we also welcome back podcast stalwart JS from the excellent Football in the City website. The dream team is back together. JS, how have you been, sir? Extremely well, Daniel, and how are you? Yeah, good, mate, good. It's a pleasure to have you on board. Um, a welcome addition as per. So, um, before we I'm, I'm just, I'm really just here to make sure Cole doesn't get get too complacent in his spot, you know. Well, it's, so, you know, like, Carl's now the Christian Eriksen of this podcast, aren't you, Exactly. Yeah, I've started yeah. getting sloppy, so I need that challenge, JS. Precisely, on. yeah, that's e- it. Excellent, excellent. So before <laughs> JS keeps Carl on his toes, I'd best do the social media bits first, otherwise I'll be talking to the Abyss once more. So first, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. That's on Twitter, at StanTracy1983, anything show-related, send it my way. You can find me via iTunes by searching for Real Football Cast. And if you use that platform, then don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If you're not a fan of all things Apple, you can also find me on SoundCloud and Acast and a number of other platforms I can't really remember. So the easiest way to find all the links is by going to realfootballcast.com. And as you should know by now, the Real Football Cast is sponsored by Loserpool. What is Loserpool, I hear you ask? It's a new game that sees betting turn on its head with a focus being on the loser. If this has grabbed your interest, then be sure to visit loserpool.com and create an account. Especially as there's a new prize pool this weekend, which guarantees a winner another £1,000. Something you won't want to miss out on. The odds of winning are great, they're even better if you sign up. And it's free, there's nothing stopping you. Right, it's time to go live. And where should we go first? Actually, let's talk off-pitch matters this week, because usually we talk all things Premier League and sort of then get to the bottom. Let's flip it on its head this week, because we've had some real ugly scenes at St Andrews. As Jack Grealish got a clout of a fan. The Emirates, where Chris Smalling gets pushed and jeered by an Arsenal fan. And even up at Easter Road in Scotland, where James Tavernier gets in an altercation with Hibs fans. So scenes that certainly have no place in the game, and you'd think from a bygone era. But Carl, where has all this come from all of a sudden? Yeah, it's really worrying, isn't it, Dan? Because we've had quite a few scenarios so far this season where, you know, you kind of get the... Or it looks like those dark old days are slightly returning in the way that... Or the mentality of some supporters that go to games. You know, we had the banana from the Spurs fans at the Emirates, um, the Chelsea fans with Sterling, and now these two incidents at the weekend. Um, And unfortunately, you know, it is the way it goes. You'll always have a moron minority that go to games uh, I question whether they're actually interested in the football sometimes or whether they're actually there just more because they want to drink and have a fight with one another um and it's ugly scenes that we don't want to see in the game at all you know I don't see why people can't just go to a game and yes you know I don't you know I don't like Arsenal I don't like Chelsea I don't like West Ham but I have people who are, you know, friends who support those clubs. It doesn't mean I want to go and smash them in the face every day or, you know, abuse them because of that. We have some friendly rivalry banter, as you always do. 
but they're good friends and just because they support a different team than me or you know it, it doesn't make them you know it doesn't make me hate them and that's the kind of mentality we need in the game you know it should be it should be you know it should, it should be some rivalry but it should be sensible rivalry um, and we can't have those scenes that we saw at the weekend you know we're very lucky aren't we that that fan who ran on at St Andrews you know, it could have been a lot worse, couldn't it? You know, I mean, you know, you just dread to think if you'd had a weapon or something like that on him, what could have happened? Um, the sentence he's been given is ridiculous. I'm not sure what the hell has, has come about there. You know, 14 weeks and a hundred pound fine. Um, if that that's no deterrent to stamp that out at all, is it? Um, but it, these are the sort of scenes we just really don't want to see coming back into our game. And I think, you know, from these two incidents we've got a lot of questioning around the stewarding and that that we have at games i mean you've even had a steward trying to you know get dragged off by the police in that away end didn't you in jack greedish run there so really ugly scenes and we you know, just need people to be a little bit more sensible but the people involved the people we don't want around the game um how we stamp that out that's a real difficult question isn't it I mean, JS, it's almost as if we've got a bubbling undercurrent that's come to the fore this season. There is also uh, sterling abuse at um, Stamford Bridge. You've got Brighton fans and players still having to deal with homophobic abuse in 2019. It seems the mentality is that, oh, well, these players earn thousands of pounds and they're out of touch with us, so they're fair game. But that can't be right, can it? No. <clears throat> I mean, they're, they're still... It's, it's hard to remember sometimes, but I was thinking this about like Deli Alley and the bottle he got on his yep. head as well. But they're, they're, I mean, they're human beings. They're, they're, they're at work. This is literally their job. However much you hate the other team that is playing, however much you might hate one of the players, you know, we, we, we know Jack Grealish has got that sort of side to him a little bit like Deli Alley has, but. It's 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 on a football pitch. Would you would you not want any needle at all? That that doesn't give you any excuse to to then physically attack them or or throw throw stuff at them or abuse them. Like you know, Cole Cole said quite rightly. I think it was only actually twelve weeks that. I mean, how who gets twelve weeks for assault? I mean, it was like a donkey punch, wasn't it? That that um, Grealish one. It was just absolutely horrific and. Struggling to remember in in our game in England, well, definitely in the top flight, and I'm struggling to even remember the last time the player got attacked. If ever, uh, sorry, I know that was in the championship, but you, you know what I mean. I was sort of top leagues. So I'm really struggling to remember. Well, fun, funny enough, JS, it was at St Andrews before, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Peter Ingram, where you had the fan run off. Oh yeah, that's keeper. right. Oh yes, yes, that's so, yeah, the one. Yeah, really strange. Both incidents or yeah. big incidents have yeah. been there, haven't they? But why? You, you said you don't know why it's happening. I, I think, like Dan sort of alluded to, and you alluded to, that there's sort of always been that undercurrent of those type of fans that go to game games. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, th- I think all the old headhunters and all that, that kind of era. I, I don't actually think they they really did love the football. I mean, they might have done, but it was secondary to them going going and having a bit of a tear-up, essentially. And I, I think I think what's happened over the last... I, I, hate, I hate things, everything being blamed on things like Brexit, but I do sort of feel like that those sort of tensions that sort of led to the whole Brexit thing and since, the constant stirring up of things by certain elements of the media you know we all know how newsrooms work now they need to um sort of generate traffic so they can sort of keep their their kind of bloated newsroom so if they generate traffic they generate revenue so they know that stuff that makes people angry is going to generate more clicks and more outrage that that's why even though I don't anymore, but why we know really we shouldn't listen to talk sport or engage with them. But you can see why people do, because they they put all that stupid, faux, controversial stuff out. So people at at the moment, you see it on social media all the time, constant anger. They're they're constantly faced with stuff that they hate that in pre-social media days they wouldn't have had to have dealt with or seen on a daily basis, whereas now you can go online and within five minutes you might have seen 50 things that have really made your blood boil. You know you know what I mean? 
And I, I really believe the kind of language and the tone that has become almost acceptable, you know, the, the sort of abuse and all of that stuff. And like you see it on players' posts, like when Carius um, <clears throat> made those uh, mistakes in the Champions League finals. And people might have thought, you know, at the time in the private of their own homes in days gone by, like, yeah, fuck that guy. I hope he fucking dies or whatever it is. But it, they can do it now. It's so reactionary. You can go straight onto his thing. And when you see this constant stream of abuse, it, I believe that that is now starting to bubble over into real life again. You know, because <clears throat> we had sort of, what, like 20-odd years where... it's never going to have died out, but where it seemed to, you know, really sort of go on the back burner, that kind of stuff happening in the game here. But like Dan said, in the last six months, and like you said, you know, the banana, the Sterling thing, the bottle at Alley, the attack on Grealish, the attack up at Easter Road, and so on and so forth. It's just madness. I mean, what... (laughs) There's no excuse for it, but that's that's my theory as to why it's starting to happen. And I also think that when other people see other people doing it, they think, oh, I, I can do that then as well now. You know what I mean? Yeah, because one of the things then also on that, I was speaking to my dad yesterday on this, and my dad also thinks that in some ways the media and in some ways clubs themselves haven't helped because he kind of said, like, he remembers when he used to go Spurs back in the day. Um, and now, not be funny, I'm old, so think about when he was going, you know. <laughs> this is a long while ago. Um, but he said if Spurs played Arsenal, the programme started with, oh, today we welcome our neighbours Arsenal. Whereas mm. nowadays you're seeing today we welcome our fierce rivals Arsenal. Mm to the ground and the media and like some clubs can sometimes hype up the rivalry and this hatred oh absolutely get people going and you know i mean god we welcome our neighbors if you say we're welcoming our fierce rivals yeah yeah i i I agree on that i agree on that tone fully i mean you just need to look at how pretentious and ridiculous and overhyped sky skies coverages of stuff you know they have these like dark montages and like grudge match you know and all that sort of like hyperbolic language like this is your time it's your destiny it might yeah, be, right. it might be like west brom v stoke <laughs> on a monday night or something no, no offense to them clubs but it's not like they're making out like it's some sort of 300 spartan battle you know what i mean it's like it's fucking like Johnny Evans and stuff. You know, it's just not like... It's not... It, I mean, it is important. Yeah, we all yeah. love it. But when when you're making it that serious and you yeah. pull of the fun out of the game, that that doesn't help. I mean, you think about all the coverage in the 90s and stuff, and it was just fun and bright, wasn't it? It was, stu- it was something you could work your shit nine-to-five job Monday to Friday... Give up, you know, go home on the weekend, football's on, brilliant, it's a laugh, few pints with your mate in the pub or in the in the pub before the match, you know. Now it's not, it's like fucking, and all this sort of talk of elite and world-class players and only the top six mattering and all this stuff. If, if, if you constantly have that narrative of only the top six club narr- uh, narrative mattering, yeah, what do you think the other 14 teams in that league are going to feel? Their fans, they're going to feel like shit. They don't care. And then you go below that, they're going to feel seriously pissed off. So, you know, it's it's a bit shit all round. And I think that's what we can do better to change it. But it, again, that still doesn't excuse some idiotic, mindless twat running on the pitch and punching a player in the face, you know. Absolutely not. So, Carl, the pitch is meant to be the safest part of the ground, really. And in fairness, the stadium should be a very safe place to go in this day and age. So what punishments should the likes of Birmingham and to a lesser extent Arsenal and Hibs be getting for these fan indiscretions? Yeah, that's that's a real hard one, isn't it, Dan? Because obviously you you will have some people who will scream, well, they should be playing games behind closed doors. Mm. Um, But then you've got that thing of you're punishing everybody then, aren't you? That's right. And 
And do you then set a precedent where other fans think, well, actually, if I run on the pitch at the Emirates, we get Arsenal dot points from here. And actually, you find out it's a Spurs supporter who's managed to get in the Arsenal end, but is, you know, trying to get Arsenal dot points or games behind closed doors. So it's really hard how you do this. I, I think the easiest way to try and stamp this out is, you know, and Leeds obviously were a great example of this, weren't they, back in the 90s and that, where actually the supporters were the people who had to try and cut this out and change the mentality because there's only so much a club can do. You can't stop the moron, you know, minority getting into the ground and doing what they're going to do. But all you can hope is that people actually call this out now. So if you're standing next to someone in a stadium who starts shouting potentially some racist abuse at a, a black player or like, like the Sterling incident, what really needs to happen and the only way you'll really cut it out is if everybody then turns on that individual who's who, you know who's done that and said those things and mm. actually says, what are you know, what are you doing? What, what, what's your problem here, mate? They, you know, they, were, che- they were cheering him off out. the pitch at Birmingham. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and, and, and I, hero, I, put up, um, I put up a post about this. The Birmingham City supporters said, yeah, we were cheering him off the pitch. And I was like, no, mm. you, you weren't. Do you know what I mean? They'd you been were, you him, were, you they? Were, they, they were cheering him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They were cheering him because they started cheering when he started waving at them. And then the fact that they then booed Grealish for the rest yeah. of the match. Yeah. <laughs> Just wonder. I mean... They're not as bad, but they're they're not far off it morally. To be I, I, I think the biggest issue has to go into stewarding, doesn't it? I think if we're going to solve mm. this, that's where I guess the real money should be yeah. invested in the stewarding that is now put into grounds, especially Absolutely. when you know it's big games. You know, it, whether it's you've got to add more stewards, they need better training, but then at the same time, you know. Some of these stewards are doing it for next to nothing just because they love the club. So it's hard to always look at a steward and blame him because like, who does? No, 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 no. I, I, way, I agree. Know? I think the club should be the ones who actually invest into it properly, yeah, spe- right. especially at those kind of levels. It's not as if they yeah. can't afford to pay them an extra exactly. five quid an hour yeah, to make sure they're doing their jobs properly and get them a bit of training, can it? You've almost got to think now they need they need specialist steward teams, don't they? Where it's like they've had proper Spot training. On. These yeah. are proper, you know, organisations almost hmm. that are, right, we've got this down to a T. You know, the next time Birmingham exactly. played Villa, there needs to be a wall of stewards there so no one can get on the pitch. Agreed. And I think that's the only way you're going to really stop someone getting on the pitch. But in and around the ground, it's kind of a social thing, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. I think everybody needs to play a part in stamping it out going forward. But I, d- I do agree with you. I, d- I don't think, like... I think the clubs should probably be fined and forced to review their stewarding policies, but I, I, I don't think they should be playing behind closed doors and stuff like when it's uh, not a one-off, but a one-off at the club within a certain time frame. If it happens again within the next few weeks, then yes. Yeah, but that's right. No, I, I don't think I don't think the cl- the club themselves should necessarily be punished per se for it maybe a fine maybe a donation to charity or something but i I don't know yeah i'm I'm with i'm with you yeah i think the fine is probably you know the most fitting punishment because like i say why punish so many thousand fans for one indiscretion (laughs) but carl I, i don't know about you but living sort of in and around london you read the Evening Standard, and although you're shocked, you're almost desensitised by the amount of knife crime you read on a day-to-day basis. So, not to over-egg things here, but what if those pitch invaders, one of, you know, one had a knife? And let's be honest, a quick pat down on the football is not the most stringent of security checks, is it? So, I know you sort of just reference they need more training, but, you know, surely that's got to be, you know, a barrier in itself, really, because it's not really sort of doing the job, is it? You know, it's just a sort of quick up and under the arms, and in you go, because obviously there's a certain yeah. of people, and it's like, well, what can you do? I think everyone did. Did you guys ever once see that um, Twitter post that was put out of the Spurs guy yes, yes. people going into the ground where he was just yeah, waving yeah. his arms over the over people's coats? And <laughs> you know, it was like, yeah, he hasn't patted anyone down at all here, has he? Um, but again, that just goes into training, doesn't it? You know, the right measures have to be put in at the gates. I mean, I'm always amazed, Dan, when you watch European football, um, and I think we brought this up the other day, you know, I can't get into Wembley with a bottle of Coke, and yet mm. you've got Dortmund fans with drums, microphones, you know, oh, well, flares I, I going know off. Oh, well, they, they, they get a sort of pre, pre-agreement. I think they do, yeah, which is great. So. 
But it's when you've got the flares going off and you're like, so people have been allowed to get in here with a rocket, basically, you know. <laughs> and I've, I've been told I can't have the top <laughs> on my bottle of Coke to come in, you know. So you do kind of wonder. But I think that, again, goes like we've said, that goes into training and making sure that, you know, the right things are in place, that no one should be entering that ground with, the, with possibly anything on them um, where they can cause damage or possibly ruin the experience for anyone there. Because I, I've been at games where, you know, I've had to ask people around me, you know, or someone behind me or that, if they could just calm down because mm. I've got my boy with me and you've got some geezer bursting a blood vessel because, you know, Arsenal had a throw in nearly halfway line and screaming <laughs> his head off and swearing. And you're like, mate, calm down. It's a game of football. You know, we all get passionate, but you are now overstepping the mark. And I've mm. got my boy here who's listening to all of this. Mind you, did, it, did, did anyone ever sit near that little ginger kid at, at the old Spurs? It was in Paxton. Okay. <laughs> it, it was just a couple of times I couldn't get um, tickets after I gave my season ticket up for parkour um, shelf. <laughs> and it, it was amazing. It was like, uh, it must have only been nine or ten, but he was he was like the worst out of everyone. <laughs> it was like, especially, I mean, it really innocuous games as well. You know what I mean? Against like Swansea and stuff. It's like, Jack Cork, you fucking wanker. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant it's, it's a society thing though well, yeah, exactly, I think this, yes. this whole issue comes down to society doesn't it where you know we need to just you know everyone just needs to be making more of a difference in society in general you know Agreed. those those kids who are walking around with knives you know that's a massive challenge to try and mm -hmm. solve that but it, it you know we have to start somewhere and, and it is setting an example of these people i think mm -hmm. you know yeah. right now there's no fear of you know repercussions and we have to just start making people fear wanting to go around with stuff and doing stuff like this mm -hmm. you know the the guy at chelsea with the sterling stuff mm -hmm. i have no problem with making an example of that bloke front page of every newspaper mm -hmm. on every site you know letting him know who it is you know, and he should have to face the repercussions from that because, you know, that's probably a bloke who works in an office, in a multicultural office mm. of people of all different colours and creeds. And yet, because he's at football, he seems to think it's all right to scream that sort of abuse at someone. You know, Bloody people hell, do you, think... You're turning into me today, Cole. You, you <laughs> fucking know, scream that from the, the rooftop. <laughs> so I, I fully agree, obviously. Yeah, it, it's a shame. But yeah, I guess, you know, there's there's a long battle still ahead, isn't there, to mm. make sure this sort of stuff goes out. Do you, know, do you know what really pissed me off about that before we move on to the next thing was that 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 sort of social media rumour where people started it where it said mank instead of black. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, for me, that just g gave him such a get-out clause, you know. And then when he came out with his statement, and it was literally about two weeks after it, he was like, oh, yeah, I said mank, you know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I know exactly what you mean. Maybe, maybe he did, but it, it just didn't. It didn't look or feel like it, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. Anyway. I'd be a big proponent of sort of plastering his image on papers, just saying, this man is a daft racist as the headline and just sort of having that. <laughs> and that, that's the sort of the punishment. I think that would be quite sort of simple, Pop, effective. Yes, exactly. Um, Tattooed across his forehead. Yeah, and that as the well. The only way out of it. <laughs> um, not to make light of the situation in any way, but JS, David Cottrell's suggestion that we now need armed police at football grounds is probably not one that's going to be implemented anytime soon, is it? Uh, I, my, my only reaction to that was like, you what, mate? <laughs> it was just ridiculous. It was like his, his solution to like, it's like the Trump thing, isn't it? It's like the solution to violence is more stuff that can cause violence. Just double down it's on like, the violence, yes. That's no, right, David, no, but... no, it never works, no. never has, never will. Definitely not for me, and has made himself sound like a fucking idiot, to be honest. But, Absolutely. You know. Right, OK, let's move away from bad fandom, because it's also been a bad weekend for Darren Moore. West Brom lying mm -hmm. fourth in the championship, and he's been sacked. So, Carl, I thought personally an incredibly harsh decision. I know they sort of hit a bit of a rut in terms of results, but it seems as if the West Brom board have almost bet on promotion this season and they've hit the panic button quite literally. So what did you make of it? 
Yeah, amazing decision that, Dan. I mean, when you're fourth in that league, you're still possibly within the chance of coming automatically up that year, aren't you? Because that league can change within the space of two weeks or two two games, you know. So I, I can't believe that decision. You know, you're fourth, you're sitting in a good spot. OK, you may have hit a run of bad form, but let's face it, people sometimes just need a bit of time to kind of get themselves out of it. You know, there might have been some injuries that have caused a few problems. Um, you at least have to give the guy a real chance, don't they? I mean... I know, you know, there was a good bit on Talk Sport. You know, Adrian Durham basically let rip on this, and it's quite a good listen if no one's listened to it. And as I, he said, I have, yeah, yeah, very good. I mean, uh, you do wonder whether there was a fear that actually, if this guy does get to succeed and take us up, we we kind of we're stuck with him because we couldn't not get rid of him. Um, and it just does, does seem a crazy decision, doesn't it? You know, you're sitting fourth in the league, you're in a real good position, and possibly a couple of wins away from then looking at automatic promotion mm-hmm. to the Premier yeah. League. What are they expecting at that club? You know, what well, what are they expecting? In, you know, yes, we know they want to come up, but come on, you know, you've got to give the guy a chance. You know, he came in at the end of last season when they looked dead and buried and he managed to even get them going into the last couple of games with a chance yeah. of survival <laughs> and then he gets them fourth the following season. That is that is a heads gone, absolutely disgraceful decision. James, yeah. anything to add to that, mate? No, actually. I, th- I think Cole's absolutely nailed it. I think um, I think sort of largely avoided the fact that he's black, but on that um, Do you honestly think there's a racial undertone to his sacking then? Because I listened to oh, the Adrian Durian comments, tough, and it is it? interesting, but you don't know, you I mean, don't know do I mean, you? All right. He, he's clearly a good manager, doing a good job in a tough situation. That that league is so difficult to get out of. And like Cole said, there are a couple of wins away from the automatic places. And at this stage in the season, with, like, what have they got? 12 yeah so I think 11 like by, by the time this goes live about 11 or 12 so let's just yeah. you know not many that's just it just seems genuinely baffling I know they had a bit of a poor run at, run at home but oh I don't know it, it just seems insane to me and I I, I don't think well, we don't. We don't know. We, we we'll have to assume and give West Brom the benefit of the doubt that it wasn't racially motivated, you know, in any way, shape, or form. However, it does make you bang your head against the wall in despair at the lack of opportunities for good black managers in the game, and when you've got someone actually doing pretty well at a club. You, you just, you really do. You just despair at it. You know, you know what I mean. I'm, I'm not saying people should ever get jobs because of the, the colour of their skin, but that that works always around. He's a qualified candidate. He was doing a good job there, and you just, you do look at it and you just sort of go, why, why are black managers not given as much a, of a chance as white ones seem to be? You know. Well. Do you know what? If we knew the answer, do you know what I mean, there'd be more in the game. But it, you're absolutely right. There's, the numbers don't lie, do they? And it's sort of no. you can't, can't keep being an accident, can it? Do you know what I mean? No, but, no, I, I agree. So whilst it's not necessarily West Brom in and of itself who have caused caused the problem, of course they haven't. They gave him a they gave him a job. Obviously, <laughs> they weren't happy with him this season for God knows what reason. But. <sighs> I don't know. I, I would have stuck with him personally. I, I just think, yeah, cra- crazy decision. And I, don't, I, I, I think once you've got black managers in a in a position finally of of some sort of power at a club, you you, you need to give them a bit more of a chance because if if they don't, when they're going quite well, who is going to? Well, absolutely. In terms of West Brom's, uh, I guess predecessor for the man to take over from Darren Moore. Carl, it's looking like it could be either Slavisa Jakanovic or David Wagner. So they've obviously got pedigree in getting teams out of the championship. That said, mm-hmm. at such a late stage of the season, will they have time to sort of implement what they know and get West Brom back into the uh, the promised land of the Premier League? 
Well, I suppose you're only hoping, aren't you? If you're West Brom and you're looking at this and it was from a football decision, then you're only hoping you get that new manager effect and bounce that when someone comes in and if, if that's, say, someone like Wagner, then you, you maybe do think that the feeling that he's, you know, what he's done for Huddersfield and, you know, the, the premiership experience he's got now, then they, they might just be hoping that maybe that sees them over the line and gets them up for promotion. Um but to me, yeah, I, I still say, you know, the other, the other names the other names don't fill you with that much confidence no, they don't, they that you don't. think they're going to go in and suddenly do something that Darren Moore couldn't have tried to do if he was Precisely. given the time. Um, <laughs> and that's basically, that bloke deserved the time. That's the thing I, doesn't, I don't get, you know. Yeah. He, he had done more than anyone to deserve being given a little bit of time. Um, and, and it's just a crazy decision. And... I don't know, this might sound horrible, but in some ways you like to think the next person that goes in there doesn't do a better job and they do miss out because yeah, exactly. things like that's, this that you kind of think, well, mm. if, you, if you do miss out because you thought this would work, then, well, serves yourselves right. You know, maybe you should Spot have on. had a little bit more belief and stuck with, with a man who, not being funny, let's face it, Darren Moore is West Brom. You can't mm. get no more West Brom than Darren Moore. So, exactly. yeah, I mean... That, Wagner may be a good, you know, that's look at it sensibly. Wagner would probably be a good choice for them with his experience. He probably could do a good job. But I still wonder whether, you know, given the right investment and patience with the board, whether he could do any more than Darren Moore could. Yeah, I mean, I've got no credit for West Brom now. Like you say, you just hit the nail on the head. That if they got promoted under Darren Moore, then, you know, great. But I really want them to fail now because I think it's such a ludicrously bad decision. I don't, I, don't, I don't mind West Brom as a club, you know. No, no, nor do I. But br- I just br- brand old club, but th- this is well off base. Um, oh, I, I've got a bit of a soft spot for uh, David Wagner, though. Um, I think if he gets the job, I, I'd be happy to see them promoted. Um, I, I can see him sort of now he's kind of had that experience in the Premier League actually. Um, sort of getting them to stay up and he is he is a manager that I, I think should be managing a top a top flight club as well. So um yeah. I I think either of them actually, either of the ones you originally mentioned, you know, um Fulham and Huddersfield obviously did well to get up. I thought personally it was actually crazy for both of those clubs to fire both of those managers at the time. So you've sort of got that. You, I know what you're saying, both of you, but then you've sort of got that undercurrent also of man, up to other managers that shouldn't have been sacked. And if they get this job, it would kind of be nice if Huddersfield and Fulham went down for them to take West Brom up and yeah. keep them up. That's a fair and then, point. And then those two other clubs would, uh, you know, sort of rue their decision as well because I, I. I th- I think in a way it's it's almost worse getting sacked once you have achieved taking a club up to the Premiership. It's going to be really brutal and a big change. But if you're not given a chance, if you're not given a chance to get them back up again and go go from there, you know, a bit like Hughes was for all those years at Stoke and so on. Um, you know, it's it seems a bit it seems a bit weird, and I I'd, I'd rather start moving away from that chopping and changing culture. So hopefully, you know, one of those type of clubs will actually stick with the manager long enough to kind of bear some fruition on their clubs. You know, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right in the sense when teams get promoted and managers, you know, get the chop in October, you you almost might as well just say. You know, thanks for getting us promoted. Let's sack you in May, and we'll get someone else to start the season. Really, it's sort of a case of what have you done for me lately? And I think that sort of short-term exactly. memory is really, it's a really bad thing in football. Especially the Wagner one. Yeah, I mean the Slavicevic one. Also, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yukanovic. Oh yeah, sorry, Yukanovic. Oh yeah, I'm thinking of someone else. Yeah, but but both of them weird decisions but I, I i really feel like david wagner especially was doing an excellent job at huddersfield and i don't really know what they actually expected it's another it's another one of those isn't it i'm like you yeah. jay i don't see what they've achieved in that 
with the guy they've got in. I don't. I don't see where they feel they've improved themselves with their manager. Well, they haven't. And, and that's the right. crazy one, isn't it? Because they, they haven't improved. It's not like they've suddenly brought in Jose Mourinho, where you could think, well, for them, they're thinking this guy could really turn us mm-hmm. around. You know, they've brought in a guy who I would put Wagner ahead of who they've brought in as Definitely. someone who could get them out of trouble. I mean, uh, not, not just get them out of trouble, build for the next Point. Are they are they yeah, are they no. seriously going to catch up sixteen points no. or whatever yeah. <laughs> without any of those clubs getting any more points? Not not a chance. And, and they've got rid of a bloke who's got them out of the division they're going to go in. Precisely, so he knows and what you, he's doing in that division and, already. And someone who has top top level experience in not not in this league, but well, he has now, but. You know what I mean. He's, yeah. he's he's a top top manager, and it, it seems the, the Wagner one especially seemed really really bizarre. You know. Okay, if we stay in the managerial merry-go-round, the one in Madrid is working overtime because Zinedine Zidane is back at the Bernabeu. A lot of people would have thought that Solari was dead man walking after not only an El Clasico defeat but also mm. that shot Champions League loss to Ajax. Many felt mm. it's going to be Mourinho as the man to return. So, uh, sorry, Cole. This one has certainly caught everyone on the hop, isn't it? Yeah, really surprising, Dan, wasn't it? You know, maybe, maybe Suzanne just left and, you know, it's like, you know, having a break with your girlfriend, isn't it? You know, <laughs> uh, we'll just split up and after a few weeks you'll miss me and we'll we'll do it all again for a little while. Um, I know Zidane is heavily invested in Madrid, isn't he? You know, I think his mm. sons play for the Madrid teams. Yeah. Um, he, his life is there, so... I guess, obviously, you know, he's been out of work. It hasn't worked for them, um, you know. And to be honest, you could say they've got themselves to blame for that Madrid, you know, the, the ludicrous stuff in the summer going after the Spain manager the way they did. Um, and now they're obviously turning back to someone who they hope is going to restore some pride and bring back the good times that they've had under him. Um, and only time will tell whether that's a good decision or a long-term one. Um, I find it bizarre, but, you know, that they've gone back there because it does just make the whole point of, well, what did you get rid of this guy in the first place for? Um, so, yeah, well, I guess we'll have to see. But I guess in some ways it's good for us, isn't it? Because, you know, it possibly means that, you know, if you're a Spurs fan, it, that's possibly one less club you have to worry about in the summer coming after our manager. Um, so we'll have to see yeah. what happens there with Zidane. So, yeah, strange move, but I guess his life's there. So, I, you know, maybe it's just, come on, let's recreate these good times you gave us. At the same time, though, Cole, is there always the danger of, you know, in football they say you should never go back. So, obviously, all that success has taken place and happened. You know, a golden era for Real Madrid. The way of expectation will be, well, go and win us another three Champions Leagues in a row. That's going to be also tough to do. So, it's not an impossible job, obviously, but it's a difficult one to sort of then try and repeat what you've already done. Yeah, there's high expectations there, isn't it? You know, I remember when, obviously, you know, for Spurs, when people like Hoddle and Ardiles came back to manage the club, you know, you have these fond memories of these guys that they're your heroes and you love them and you just think, please let this work because mm. I don't want to start, if you like, hating you or turning against you because Although, let, you are be my real, hero. Although, let's be real, the Aussie era was really fun. <laughs> it was great football, wasn't it? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was we'll just put, like, nine, Aussie, nine attacking it? players on the pitch <laughs> defending we don't do none of that don't worry about that that was it that was that was that was the peak it we all grew up in that era that was the peak like we'll just try and outscore the others yeah we, we you score five we'll score six precisely <laughs> yeah yeah exactly training training ground stuff wasn't it five aside <laughs> training ground football um so yeah but yeah as you say you get the impression if they start off next season and by mid-season it's not working and they haven't done well in the Champions League, then you get the feeling that that merry-go-round will just kick off again in Madrid because that's how it's, they're one of those clubs that seem to work like that, aren't they? I don't, I, I don't like how they go about things. I mean, essentially, they they let let's be real about this. The Zidane thing. He was he was clearly pushed, but they allowed him the sort of dignity to say it was sort of like mutual and it comes to the end of his time and blah blah blah. Do you, do you know what I mean? It was like it just smacked of that reading in between all of the lines. And you, so I sort of thought at the time when they're pushing out someone, 
he didn't he didn't win in La Liga, and that is their thing. They want the Champions League and La Liga every single season at that club. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with having those kind of aspirations. But when it kind of falls into the category of basically just not actually caring about any human beings involved, as long as you kind of keep winning and you keep the product rolling and you keep the money coming in, it, it it's a bit shit, to be honest. And, you know, how they, how they shithoused their own national team like two weeks before the start of the World Cup with the Lopetegui announcement, essentially forcing Spain to play a hand, meaning they had to sack him and get... Um, was it Luis Enrique they no, got No, it's him? Fernando Hierro, isn't it? Oh, yeah, Hierro, that's it. Thank you. I knew it was one of their old sort of legends, but yeah. Um, and you just sort of think, that's weird. And then they did all of that. They could, I mean, honestly, could they not have just waited until after the World Cup? I absolutely hated when they when they did that. I mean, can you imagine if that was like, I don't know, United with Gareth Southgate, for example? You know, you know what I mean. Pete, there would be massive outcry if they, if if United had decided to do that. You know, and so they did that. Decided Lopetegui wasn't the thing. Sacked him after, what, like eight league games or something. Got Solari in. Decided he wasn't the thing either, despite the fact that they'd sold their best player and all of the rest of it, you know, and the fans all hate Bale, uh, which is great. So, and Modric seems to be, like, after his, probably his absolute evergreen season last year, seems to have just completely... Well, I mean, it's still great, but it's fallen into a bit of a hole this year. Probably too much football last year. Same with a lot of them. Solari's gone, and now they're back to where they started. My inkling about it is that they said to Zidane, sorry, look, we made a mistake. Um, we're going to give you absolutely shed loads. You can sell anyone you want in the summer. We'll give you almost like the full budget of whatever the revenue is, you know, in compliance with FFP. We'll bring in Neymar for you, um, which is apparently looking increasingly likely. And you can see the overhaul of the change, the change team. <clears throat> well, that's what I was going to say, Carl, my next question, because I feel that Zidane, like Jason said, he's either been promised or he's demanded a huge summer war chest to go again, because that defeats Ajax really has signalled the end of a you know an illustrious era. So he's not going to look at the squad that lost to Ajax and think, Yep, they're the players that I want to work with. It's going to be, you know, a blank canvas, a new lease of life at the Santiano Bergabao in the summer. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, you might see some players, you know, some of the ageing players. I mean, JS said there, you know, you could even possibly see someone like Modric maybe moving on. Um, and then you might see the likes of Neymar, even Hazard getting, mm. you know, getting purchased. And they have one of their kind of Galactico summers where they're, they're yeah. bringing all these players with it view that well we're going to really build a team um, and try and push again for the title and, and more importantly for them the Champions League so yeah I don't think he's gone back there with his towel between his legs he's probably no been able to go back with a little bit more kind of leeway to say, well, oh, I, 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 think, I want this and I want that. And I, they I think the only tales between legs would have been from the club there. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Uh, and he, he's gone in there with a strong hand to say, well, I'll only do it if I get this, that, that. And exactly. That, you know? yeah, and they've on. obviously said yes to it. You know, I think we'll see Bow move away from there in the summer. Yeah. You know, Gareth Bow won't be there next year. I um, mean, I mean him, him and Sudan didn't get on particularly well, did they? No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, he, I don't think he's a he's he's a lover of Bow, and not being funny, the fans don't deserve him with some of the stuff they do. Oh, I've, what I've he's achieved for that club with that, I think it's ridiculous. Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. You know, someone who's won them sort of four or so Champions Leagues and multiple mm-hmm. cups, and yeah. you know, and they treat him like that. You, may, you know, you imagine how Gareth Bow would be treated if he was a Spurs player having brought that success. Oh, you know, we have statues of him yeah. we, outside exactly. the new ground. So. Yeah. Yeah, they get everything they deserve in a way. Yeah, mm-hmm. Gareth Bale's an interesting one because I was reading comments by uh, Jonathan Barnett, his agent, last week, and he was saying that he's like the elder statesman of football agents. He's not one of these sort of sensationalists. And he's not going to be necessarily no, pushing I, I, for a move. I, I, like, I like him, actually. But yeah. at the same time, you know, he said that Bale will only decide to leave Madrid when he's bored because he's, he's got everything he wants there. You know, the mm-hmm. fans are 
you know, ruthless, let's say that, you know, to be kind to them. But, you know, yeah. um, he's won everything. So does he now look at it and think, you know, I'm not really in the dressing room cliques. I've got, you know, nothing else to really achieve here. Is it finally time for him to sort of, not necessarily go back to the Premier League, but to certainly move on from Madrid? Definitely. Yeah, I think so. What I find funny is the fans moan because he doesn't integrate himself. That's and, right, yeah. You know, doesn't speak Spanish and all those things. You know what? I couldn't care less. If I had a Spurs player, I couldn't care whether he spoke, you know, if he didn't speak English. As long as on the pitch... I've got, I've got a great, I've, I've got an absolutely great example of that for you, actually. And I know, I know Aguero does speak English, but he was, he was doing interviews in Spanish for years here, and he was worshipped as a god at City. Yeah, quite you rightly. I mean? and, and he didn't even win them a, a Champions League. <laughs> you know, do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, it's and, ridiculous. And, and he's isn't quite it? rightly held up as a hero. Yeah, as as should. And should Gareth Bale be? I mean, Bale's still a hero at Spurs, for fuck's sake. Yeah. What, what did he win us? Absolutely fuckable. <laughs> but, you know, there we go. Crazy. Playing, you know, fantasy shopping for the summer, Cole. Could you see Gareth Bale make a return to uh, Tottenham? I know we've just said, you know, he should never really go back. No, I don't think so, Dan, unfortunately. Mm. I mean, I would love to see it, but I just think, obviously, wages and things like yeah, that. You know, I, 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 I could see a Man United move. I think cards, possibly. as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's the destination I would see more than anything for Gareth. Um, I, as much as I'd love him back at Spurs, I just can't see it. No, I, I, I can't. If unless he unless he really is a romantic, you know, you know what I mean. He might just think, do you know what? I've made tens, maybe even more millions. You know what I mean? I've got uh, endorsement deals worth 30, 40 million quid a year. Actually, I would be the player at Spurs. You know, yeah. it, it would. It, it, it would trump even Kane being there, to be honest. Let's, let's be real about that. But at United, you've still got like Pogba and De Gea and all of those other kind of like global superstars without them even buying anyone else in the summer. He, he would be one of two, three, four in that team. You know what I mean? Maybe he just thinks, do you know what? Love Spurs. New stadium's good. They can probably pick me up for about 60 million quid. And do you know what? I'll take the same money as Harry Kane, 200 grand a week. I'm not going to starve on that, you know. Maybe. We'll see. We don't know what goes on in his head. You it's know. a great theory, and it's not necessarily outside the realms of possibility. You don't really see players take a pay cut at 29. That's the only shame. So, like no, I say, if the heartstrings... True. Like, I sort of referenced, I don't know, on Twitter, I don't know, a month or so ago, I said, how much of a pull will this new stadium be in terms of mm. either keeping Tottenham players or getting ones in? You know, it is only a stadium. But, Jace, how much clout will that new building have because I know we're finally coming back home if you're a player does that actually become a factor in a, any new deal it seems to it seems to help Arsenal a lot I mean players will look around the stadium they'll look around the training facilities we now have both world class world class versions of both of those things you know it's not going to hurt but honestly I think in the current climate when do you know, I mean, the current climate is just changing so rapidly. I mean, you look at the sort of players we were able to get even two or three years ago, you know, the kind of players like Davinson Sanchez from Ajax, before that, Vertonghen Eriksson from Ajax, you know. You look at it now, the chances of us even getting their sort of brightest, shining youth talent, DeLitt, De Jong... We've got absolutely no chance because for whatever reason, clubs like Barcelona and Juve are sniffing around much earlier than they, they used to be. They, they they sort of seem to have slightly, for the first time, be going against their um, uh, buying almost like Galactico-type players. You know what I mean? Even Barcelona getting De Jong in, getting Artur from Gremio... Um, you know, whereas before they'd go straight to like a Rakitic or a Neymar or someone who was already established as a global player. And I know they got Neymar from Brazil, but you know what I mean? Like Artur isn't an established international superstar, you know, sensation thing yet. You know what I mean? Delitz played at Ajax. 
Um, I mean, I personally think he already looks like the, the best defender of his generation and did when he was 17. But that that's beside the point. But do you, do you know what I mean? We, we can't even get those players now. So who are we going to get? It's a very, well, a true point. And I guess almost a worrying point as well. I think, you know, we were sort of talking the other day about Poch isn't one for buying big names. It's his modus operandi to sort of buy lesser players and build them back up or build them up should I say well I I think there's I think there's an element of truth in that I I think he wants a certain type of player with a certain type of attitude if for example he was given a massive war chest and could buy anyone he wanted I don't think he would turn down like N'Golo Kante for example you you know what I mean I, I think he does it within his budget but like you say would he be given 80 million quid, he'd never be able to get Kante. Would he then go and get someone like Rabiot from PSG? I, I don't think he would, you know? Yeah, I think you're right, actually, on that front. So it'd be a certainly interesting summer for Tottenham, but it was yeah. an interesting week in the Premier League. we best focus on that before we sort of wrap up, because there were some matches, obviously not important in the grand scheme of things with what else has happened, but let's try and rattle through them anyway. Where should we go first? Let's uh, stay in North London, but the red half as Arsenal have finally ended Oli's domestic unbeaten streak with a 2-0 win over United on Sunday. Now, Cole, the opening goal from Granit Xhaka is one that was certainly open to debate between Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. How much blame for you should David De Gea be taking for that one? Well, it's a strange one, isn't it? It's I mean, a it moves, one. It, it moves quite a lot, doesn't it? You know, I think he's expecting the shot to go one way and then if you're a goalkeeper and your body weight has gone one way, it's very hard to kind of get back um, and move. Um, so, yeah, I think that's just one of those goals, isn't it? You know, De Gea stops most things. So it was strange to see that sort of shot beat him. But I just think, you know, with these modern balls, they can do that. You know, they can suddenly divert and move in a way where you wasn't expecting it to. Um, and it just one of those days he's got caught out. Um, but let's face it, you know, if anyone's allowed to have one one or two little blips and not save something he should have done, then the Hayers normally pulling off great saves and keeping them in games. So, yeah, it happens, but he'll be disappointed, no doubt. He'll be looking at that. He won't feel great, but it happens. You know, they get all these great goalkeepers do get caught out every now and then. He probably feel he should have saved it. Um, but that, that's, that's what it was. You know, it wasn't United's best day. And I think, you know, to come down after the PSG result, the probably likely it was there was always going to slip up on Sunday, you know, because everyone had just been bigging them up and they'd probably had one of the nights that, you know, will go down in history for a long while. Um, so, yeah, I guess it was just, you know, the, the worst way to finish the week. But they never, re- you know, they had plenty of chances, though, United. You know, they really could have on another day. They could have caught Arsenal out with a couple themselves. Um, but it just wasn't their day. And JS, what did you make of that god-awful sort of new cyber camera that comes through the eyes of David De Gea? Did you see that on Sky? They're sort of really... Um... Hideous. Yes. It was, <laughs> it was absolutely hideous. And so, someone actually posted a, another video um, later. And this, this was a professional goalkeeper. I can't remember who it was, but seeing it actually more like from how De Gea would have actually seen it. And he, he was just basically completely wrong-footed. Every single goalkeeper I've seen um, <clears throat> have, has just said you, you can completely understand why he thought it was going to move to his left instead of his right. And frankly, I'm way more inclined to believe a bunch of professional goalkeepers than some random weird camera they've got. That was fucking weird. It wasn't was it? weird. So you sort of you're looking at it thinking, so this is where my sky money's going this month. Like, do you know what I mean? Just like, the eyes in inverted commas of David De Gea in some sort of like three D. Oh, I don't know. It could be I him. Think, yeah, the only thing they have like that is the that I can get on board with is the is the tactical cam because you you sort of actually get how. Um, that's usually about where scouts would sit on a pitch to get a good overview of the game. I'm okay with that because it's on the red button. You don't have it forced in your face. Um, And it's actually quite interesting when you want to sort of watch the shape for sort of five or six minutes. But no, I mean, I don't even know what's next. They're probably going to have boot cams or something. No, no. Don't, don't. Right, anyway, let's move on. So Manchester City, they found themselves with a four-point gap at the top for just under 24 hours or so as they got the better of Watford, who it must be said had both eyes 
on an FA Cup quarter final this weekend. So, which is fair enough because when you're going to City, it's almost a free hit. So, if you've got a better chance winning the FA Cup, you might as well put all your eggs in that basket. Mm-hmm. That said, they did hold City for 45 minutes. Then it all went wrong because Cole, just seconds after the restart, Sk- uh, sorry, Sterling has got his first of three goals that night. So, a decision that the referee and the assistant referee somehow cocked up between them. What did you make of that one? Yeah, that was really weird, wasn't it? I mean, I suppose that was one where, obviously, next season we have VAR and it probably helps them clear Mm. it up a little bit better. Um, But, yeah, really weird decision to me because I'm guessing that they were saying that, basically, the Watford player has played the ball and, at that point, Sterling then is onside. But he was well offside, wasn't he? You know, to me, those are the sort of goals. And this, I guess, is where the offside decision it needs to be looked at again, you know, the offside rule and how it's implemented because he was, you know, he was offside. Um, but they've obviously, you know, the referee obviously goes over and says, well, for me, the Watford player has played the ball. And right. Sterling then becomes onside. Um, a, a tough one, I think. And this is a prime example where VAR will help officials um, and will add something to the game and help them out. But yeah, that one, if you're Watford, you probably feel a little bit aggrieved with that one. Mm. And that's when meant it was a case of over to Liverpool and they eventually answered the question that City asked for them um, because obviously they won 4-2. But JS, they did find themselves 1-0 down after, what, six minutes? Ashley Westwood scoring direct from a corner. The big question is, should it have stood? Um, I can't, I can't remember the incident. I, I haven't seen that. So, this this is great podcasting. It is great Sarah. podcasting. In that case, I'm going to ask Carl. Carl, I <laughs> hope you saw it. I was going to be in right trouble. Um, Ashley Westwood <laughs> looped it in from a corner. Should it have stood? Yeah, tough one again, isn't it? Um, I'm going to say just because it was against Liverpool and it, it probably, you know, it, it made that atmosphere really tense that we'll go with it this week and we'll say, yeah, go on then. We'll, we'll let it stand because it probably, you know, after six minutes and Liverpool go one down, it, you can imagine the feeling with inside that stadium uh, knowing City have done the job the day before. Um, so, it obviously... It made for a better game, I'm going to say, because it, oh, it made a better the, atmosphere. was this the foul on Allison? Yes, that's the one. Oh, yeah, actually, I've, I've seen that on Scott, uh, Twitter. Um, no, it, no, no, it definitely shouldn't have stood. It was <laughs> so clearly a foul. Yes. I'd only say... What's wrong with you? I'd only say yes. Yes, I see where Carl's coming from. Liverpool as yes, such. Yes, that's it. <laughs> from an entertainment <laughs> value, yes. But unfortunately, we if, can't be sort of... If it's against no, Spurs, no, I, no, no I chance. Had, I actually had seen that one. It was it was so so clearly a foul on Alisson and absolutely should have been ruled out. Yeah, <laughs> you, know? you are absolutely of right. But I think Carl does make for a good case. So you know, yeah, it's against <laughs> Liverpool. Come on, JS. You know, right. you've got to get on the bandwagon this season. Come on, we we, we want everything against them, don't we? As as the media would have it. I, I'm sort of told. like I've. <laughs> I'm sort of like, yes, let, let's be real about this. Their fans are going to be absolutely unbearable on social media. But then there's that, there's that also, there's also that sort of thing, the football purist in me trying to divide that up between a club who have manicured themselves very well in the PR sense. So they, they don't sort of get as hated as when Chelsea did it. But let's be real, they're, they're a club that are basically sponsored by a Gulf state with questionable human rights records. And they, they've done that sort of fantasy football thing, which has contributed to the game actually being a bit shit nowadays. So I, I, I hate to admit it, but actually, yeah, I, I, I want to see Liverpool do it this year. I've said it. So there we go. Right, on that note, I'm just going to wrap up the show because we've almost hit an hour. So, um, where are we? Some other bits from the week very quickly. Burnley, after going eight unbeaten, have now lost three league games in a row. That will certainly be a concern for Sean Dyche as the Claret sits 17th. Newcastle took another huge step towards survival after a fantastic second-half comeback against Everton. Although, I think the key moment in that was Jordan Pickford's rugby tackle in the first half. Absolutely ludicrous, I thought. But um, we haven't got time to discuss that. West Ham, we mentioned their inconsistencies, didn't we, Cole, last week? They showed them again as they lost to Cardiff. Brendan yeah, Rodgers, yeah, back to themselves yeah, there. Absolutely. You'd be absolutely infuriated if you're a West Ham fan because just, you just don't know what you're going to get every week. Um, mm. Brendan Rodgers, off the mark for Leicester. It's amazing what you can do when you play Jamie Vardy to his strengths. Uh, big win for Brighton. They're now level with 
uh, Palace on points. All of a sudden, they're looking up the table again. Two weeks in a uh, row, they've now won. So you're sort of thinking, do you know what? They might be safe. I tip them to go down. Mm. What do I know? And Bournemouth got the better of Huddersfield. The end. So that is pretty much the end of the show. It's been an absolute cracker. Really enjoyed that one. Just uh, cutting through the big debates of the week. You know, not just who won this and who lost that. Some real good conversation. So thanks ever so much to my two guests. JS, back on back on the show, keeping Carl on his toes. Great work. Thank you. It's a pleasure, Dan. Thank you very much. Um, hopefully you'll join us um, sometime in the near future before the end of the season. I will do. Excellent, excellent. And Carl, as always, another sterling performance. I know JS is trying to um, knock you off your first team perch. But you <laughs> withstood anything that he threw at you, didn't he? Yeah, um, I'm off to the training ground now to work on my free kicks and set plays because uh, JS has worried me there. So uh, <laughs> back to back to the training ground for me, mate. The model pro. There you go. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, I'm, off, I'm off to get drunk. So the not so model pro. So I'm, 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 the, I'm the maverick. I'm the maverick. Just uh, don't want to do the work. Just just turn up, put in a performance of genius, and then fuck off again for a few weeks. And I think the the podcast is better for it. So I've got no complaints. <laughs> there we go. So on that note, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Real Football Cast in association with Blues Paul. And until next time, goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.